Hello, my friend. How's it going? Good, buddy. How are you? Good, good, good. Have you had a good weekend? You know what? I have. Uh, was off this weekend, did not work, but not working turned into housework, of course, as mm. it does when you are um, preparing for impending twins. So we were doing a lot of um, <laughs> furniture moving and cleaning and setup and, you know, that type of stuff. So that was most of my weekend, but uh, but productive nonetheless. So cannot complain overall. What about you, sir? So being a dad, essentially your off work was on work. It was just your second job, basically. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's true for all parents, right? Like you do your, you do the job you get paid to do, and then you come home and then just do your other job. Yeah, exactly. Although I have to say, man, my job today was amazing because today was one of those awesome Sundays where like we had already spent the Friday and Saturday doing all of the family stuff and traveling. We had like gotten that stuff out of the way. So Sunday today was just a chill day and it was a beautiful day. So a little bit of gardening and all that. But ultimately, it was basically just chilling on the couch with a baby on your face most of the day, which was great. I mean, what a great way to those spend are the day, great you days. Know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and today in particular, so listeners, we're recording on a, on a different day. Um, we're recording on a Sunday. We normally record on Friday, which means today was a big sports day, Christian. Um, and in particular, you know, we got home a little bit late last night because as I said, we were out visiting, um, uh, grandparents. And so when we got home a little bit later, uh, I didn't really want to start watching the games that were happening that evening, you know, yep. um, thank, thankfully, I mean, you know, there's there's all these difficulties with cable being replaced by a million different streaming packages. But one of the nice things about streaming is that you can watch stuff whenever, which is really, really great if you have uh, DAZN. And Isn't that like literally the point of streaming? <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. I don't think it qualifies as one of the nice things. I think it's literally the point of streaming. The is thing. That you can, it's yeah. the thing that you can watch it whenever you want. Like binging seasons did not exist a decade ago, you know, like that was not a form of, of, of taking in TV, which is really interesting when you think about just as a total aside, how novels used to be serialized, you know, chapter by chapter in the newspaper one week at a time. And then they were like, oh, we actually have the technology that everybody can just buy books for cheap now and you can like get the whole thing at once. We are like Netflix is like the the book binders, you know, of 200 years ago. They've basically made it so that we don't have to watch Seinfeld one episode at a time. I was going for like, the, I thought it was like, wait, is, I was like, is Netflix like the printing press? <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah. Of yeah. TV seasons. Yeah. Like it's now just like here it is all at once. I don't want to like oversell them. I mean, Gutenberg, I mean, was a, was a revolutionary, but man, listen, if I can watch three seasons of Stranger Things all at once, I mean, I think that's basically Gutenberg, right? So anyway, uh, where was I? Sports day. It was sports day today. Um, so I had some, uh, a couple games saved up from yesterday, plus all the games from today. So today was a good day, Christian. So I woke up with um, TFC mired in a 10 game winless streak winning for the first time this season at home against Nashville. Um, stunning display. They played amazing. Great game. Followed that up by watching the Sens play Montreal in their first exhibition game, rookie camp. Um, saw a Kitchener Ranger play for Montreal at the same time. And Kitchener Ottawa Rangers. <laughs> Kitchener Rangers. And um, they won. So that was two for two. And then I watched the Blue Jays play Minnesota uh, in the midst of this extremely important uh, playoff um, playoff push that they're in right now. And again, one. So three for three. But then things took a bit of a slide. Watch the Leicester-Brighton game. Leicester lost that game by one goal. 
uh, two to one uh, away to Brighton, which, um, you know, Brighton's had a great start to the season and, and they definitely played great. But from Leicester's perspective, that's a very disappointing loss. So first off, they got called on a penalty where it was like an overt foul that they didn't. It was like one of those situations where they could review the handball, but they couldn't review the overt foul before it. So you play the five seconds of replay and you're like, wow, that overtly shouldn't happen. But we're not allowed to look at that. And then this other blatant thing happened and we are allowed to look at that, you know, just one of those quirks of the video review rules and then two consecutive goals that they scored then got ruled out, out for offside so it was a rough day for Leicester and then we finished things off with Christian I'm sure you'll revel in this as a Packers fan but the Minnesota Vikings had a bad day today <laughs> you know offensively they had another great week I mean their offense they did burning right now they I mean they they, they did they got a touchdown on the second play of the game I mean you know they're on fire but again their defense um, uh, bit them in today their special teams bit them because they uh, they made it to <clears throat> uh, let's see here it was uh, one they were one point down fourth quarter basically uh, at the death last play field goal from thirty seven yards very very gettable you know this is like a ninety five percent or higher uh, kick and uh, shanked it and uh, lost the game on the final play on uh, a pretty gettable field goal so three for two not bad today and that's like let's not forget here that an extra point a PAT is 33 yards oh, Jesus. and the Minnesota k- kicker missed a 37 yarder so yeah he basically missed a point after touchdown and as a Packers fan I will remind you that's not the first time your kicker has screwed you over in a, in a thanks. in a big spot am yeah, I right thanks yeah I really uh, no that's great I'm really glad that we're bringing up such fresh and positive memories to to start the okay uh, but episode. I mean the Packers got stomped 38 to three last week. So I mean, I <laughs> yeah. what like, no, you're right. You're like, right. I still think Aaron Rodgers is low key. Just going to tank all year just to throw <laughs> his middle fingers at the Packers just to be so bad. Like, and, and I would, I, I would not put it past him. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't even be mad, but what's your call for tomorrow. If you had to put a little money down uh, tomorrow, what, uh, what do you think is the outcome? Well, the Packers are putting up, I think it's 11 and a half. So uh, I have no confidence in the Packers to win by that much. So I, if I'm betting against the spread, yeah. um, you know, then uh, my dad pick of the week, we should make that into a, into a thing. <laughs> yeah, we should um, actually. Can we get sponsored by DraftKings? Um, then uh, I would be picking Detroit at plus 11 and a half. Because, I mean, even if Green Bay wins by 10. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and if they win by two half. touchdowns, 11 and a half is a, a lot of points. It's a spread. I mean, it's a lot ridiculous. of points. It's a lot of points for a team that put up only three the week before yeah. against a team <laughs> yeah, in Detroit, yeah. who granted is not as good, but they put up 33 against the 49ers. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I get it's yeah, at home. Ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers is like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is mad. He's going to put up a lot of points. But I'm like, yeah, but the Packers defense sucks. Like, so yeah. anyway, yeah, an eleven and a half spread is like that Ricky Romero bet that we made, where I just bet you uh, gave you like ridiculous odds. And I yeah, I just like, I basically have just yeah, I, I will just be accumulating five dollars a year until the end of time. Yeah, I'm just basically I have an extremely small percentage of payment for the mortgage on your house. I have like a lien <laughs> on me for the rest of my life, an extremely small one, but a lien. Yeah. So yeah, it was a good day. But Christian, I I thought you would find this a little bit interesting. So I'm I'm in the midst of another Parks and Rec um, watch through at the moment. Very nice. Just, very nice. You know, I just rotate through sitcoms based on what I'm in the mood for. And uh, right now it is Parks and Rec. So I found a really interesting little crossover. 
So, of course, you know, in Parks and Rec, the amazing character, Jerry, also known as Gary or Larry. Um, and of, uh, Gergich, of course, Gergich, Gergich, Gerrit, Gergich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jerry Gergich has uh, three beautiful daughters and a beautiful wife, um, much like you're about to have, Christian, speaking of which, uh, Jerry McFarlane. Um, oh, my gosh. I, I now just thought of an Jerry. entire... And now I just thought of an entire Halloween costume idea. <laughs> yeah. Because now amazing. I can literally be Gary Gurkich with Gail and his three daughters and just sing eggs, bacon, and toast. <laughs> oh, my God. Eggs, bacon, and toast. Yeah, and you can wear, as Leslie I can say, literally stained khakis. I can day. literally start my day the Gurkich way with eggs, bacon, and toast. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so Thanks. happy right now. When we get to our... Uh, Best uh, best trips on a budget later in the episode. You'll have to recommend Muncie <laughs> when we get there. <laughs> so Jerry's eldest daughter is Millicent or Millie Gergich. Um, and in real life, Millicent Gergich is married to Vaughn, Britta's ex-girlfriend from Community. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Hi. So hey, we- how are you? I know. <laughs> With his tiny nipples? Professional um, hacky sack player with, uh, what is it, Lengwei Makadengdeng Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Vaughn. I like to think about of these as basically crossing over into some kind of alternate reality. So, like, when Vaughn went to community college, maybe he met Millicent because she was in, like, medical school there, you know, and they met each other. So, yeah, Millie Gergich and Vaughn. I don't know what Vaughn's last name is. Maybe we do know that. Um, but, yeah, they're married in real life. Crazy, eh? Wait, isn't Vaughn the guy that uh, is on... NCIS? Is he? I don't know. I haven't watched NCIS. I'm pretty sure he's the guy. Power of the internet. Yeah, why don't we just IMDB that because now I need to know. All right. So Vaughn in community is Eric Christian Olsen. Uh, And it's funny. The second hit is City of Vaughn Community Centers. community um and yes he is detective marty deeks on the cbs television series ncs los okay. angeles well i done, thought so Christian. yeah i thought so um so yeah that was uh that's my fun fact that won't get you any points in any trivia anywhere any day but now you know but now we know well and now that we know that do you want to get this episode started load it up Accidentally took a 10-minute cell phone video of my shoe. Still got some good footage, though. I'm Christian. That's Chris. And this is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We are very excited to have you back for another week and another episode where we talk about all things dad, comedy, sports, life, fatherhood, parenthood, and apparently crossovers between comedy sitcoms. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, thank again and again and again Uh, Producer Ryan, for doing his best to make us sound as good as he possibly can. We make it tough on him every week, so Producer Ryan, thank you. The vet cartoonist Vishal Murthy for all our image and branding. Michael Spicer Music, Michael Spicer Composer uh, for that uh, lovely intro made just for the show. Um, And also our wives and daughters for being the reason we do this and also the only reason we are allowed to do this because, let's be real, they allow us to do this. And last but not least... You at home, the listener, because without you, we would just be two idiots talking into a microphone. I mean, we're still that, but at <laughs> least we also have listeners. Idiots. Yeah, I should yeah. I should clarify that. But uh, 
yeah, we're Chris, two idiots. For- yeah, we're two idiots talking to some listeners, basically, as well. Yeah, we're still two idiots talking into microphones, just there are people who apparently are also listening. Yeah, well, I'm excited to uh, to get this started. We're doing a, a topic this week that we've been building up, that I've been building up, that I've basically been promising and failing to deliver for the last like 26 episodes. Speaking of which, Christian, by the way, can I just bring up the fact that this is our 27th episode? We have been doing this for over half a year now. Yeah, that's crazy to think that yeah. it, it feels like... I mean, we haven't been doing that that long, but it also kind of is crazy to think that, yeah, we're now like six months into this of basically weekly episodes with a few breaks and little hiatuses now and again. But yeah, basically six straight months of uh, of doing this, which has been super fun. And yeah. uh, so hope here's to another uh, six months of it in the future as well. I agree. Here's to episode 270, you know, where we're already 10 percent <laughs> of the way there. It is funny, though, you know, like when you scroll, you know, say you're searching for new podcasts or something and you're scrolling through. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I find I come across so many podcasts where I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. And then you open it up and there's like six or seven episodes scattered over five months. And it's been cold for the last, you know, six months after that. So the fact that we've been able to pump out 27 episodes of pure garbage has been pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed with us. And I'm, I'm, impressed I'm, I'm more impressed that we've. I, well, I've been impressed that we've, yeah, the pure sewage has been able to just been <laughs> spewed for the past six months and yeah. been sustainable. So, and some people are, are soaking it up. So, you know, hey, let's keep spewing some more. I'm excited. So, the sewage that I'll be um, spewing this week is actually something that is very near and dear to my heart, which was probably one of the most life changing periods of time in my life, uh, which was a honeymoon that I took with my wife. Now, that's something that we all do. Um, well, I shouldn't say all, but that we almost uh, all do at some point after we get married is take a little bit of time to travel with your significant other. Now, Christian alluded to something last week, which was, um, you know, traveling with your significant other is something that is fraught with peril. You know, in your mind, all you think of are the worst case scenarios, all the potential things that could go wrong, the potential sources of conflict. And I think any human in their right mind would think about that. Um, My wife and I were set to travel for four months together, um, largely backpacking, sort of traveling, not, not, um, not on a, on a bottom budget for sure, but traveling on a budget. Um, And so you think four months traveling with one other person in a situation where things can potentially get heated and you have no break from each other, um, could that potentially go poorly? And that's something that, that you alluded to last week, Christian, and definitely was something that I had in my mind. And instead, it turned out to be the single four best months of my life, something that um, my wife and I were already really close. I mean, we've been together for almost 10 years now, um, but it brought us even closer together um, and, and was really a wonderful experience. So, um, what I wanted to do this week, just starting out topping, talking about this topic that I'm sure we're going to keep talking about at many points in the future, is a few basic do's and don'ts of traveling with your significant other. So um, you could call it do's and don'ts of honeymooning, but this isn't specifically about the honeymoon. I mean, it can be your honeymoon. I think for a lot of us, that's your major travel experience. But for, for the purposes of this discussion, it can be traveling um, at any time alone with your partner um, and things to maybe do and avoid in those situations to um, make it go smoothly. What do you think, Christian? I'm very excited to hear what you have to say because I definitely have some opinions on this. (laughs) Um, And so I'm curious, I'm very curious to see if you and I have experienced similar um, 
uh, things to avoid, if I may mm. put that politically, mm. um, as I feel like our significant others, at least in their kind of core personality traits, are very similar. Um, and so I'm curious to see if you and I have had similar style vacation conflicts. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, let's, let's dive into this. Okay. So I've got seven, um, assorted do's and don'ts here. Um, but each one is sort of a, a big one and we're kind of, we'll, we'll build on each one. So this isn't a rapid fire. Okay. We've, we're saving that for the back pocket later on. So first off, I'm going to start with my biggest do which is maybe one of the things that I didn't do. I can't say that I was on the opposite side of this, but it was something that I wish I had had this advice beforehand, which is go in with the attitude that you'll expect to get along with each other and that you sort of need each other. You know, when you travel together as two individuals by yourselves, um, particularly for a long time, you are codependent. And although we're trying to avoid codependency, you know, complete codependency in the rest of our relationship, I believe truly that it's okay to be a little bit codependent when you're traveling and understand that for you to succeed, you need the other person to succeed and you need to succeed together. And so if you have that expectation that you need each other, um, you know, you and you have this sort of uh, need to get along with each other, if you go in with that positive attitude, Honestly, it makes such a difference because you'll have that mutual trust that they're bringing something to the table and that you're also bringing something to the table and kind of having that mutual trust um, and leaning on each other and relying on each other helps so that when you get to a moment of frustration, your anchoring thought is, I expect to get along with you, not, oh no, not this again. And it kind of takes that dread uh, out of the equation. So the number one do traveling with your partner, go in with a positive attitude and be okay with being a little bit codependent. What do you think about that one, Christian? Well, I think it also goes to say that there are definitely times in a travel. Well, travel is stressful. Let's be real. Um, like I'm talking more like airports, you know, like that type. I mean, the actual logistics of travel, um, you know, dealing with hotels, that type of thing. And within those types of scenarios, I feel like with every relationship, whether it's, uh, you know, married couple, you know, partnership, whatever it is, family, there are people have different strengths and weaknesses. And so just being able to lean into that and knowing that there are certain things like there are definitely when we travel, there are certain things that my wife just does because she's inherently way better, better at them. She's the planner, as opposed to there are things that I do that I'm better at. And so you mentioned that kind of codependency. I don't necessarily view it as that, although I understand you using that term. But like you said, it's leaning on each other to really form a team um, because then in that standpoint, it just, like you said, sets you up for success as opposed to kind of just being two individuals that happen to be going to the same place. Yeah, absolutely. Just as an aside, Christian, um, there, there, is there a fire like in your living room right now? Um, so <laughs> yes, the, the fire station down the road here is very active currently. <laughs> um, and so I'm very, uh, it's not in my living room anyway, cause if it was, I feel like I would not be this calm. Um, but <laughs> yeah. we are, my house sits essentially right in between the fire station down one end of the street and an old folks home on the other end of the street. Um, so there are a lot of paramedics that like to fly down my, uh, street at all hours of the, of the evening. So yes, if you're hearing the sirens in the background, um, it is the men and women who keep us safe, who are doing their job effectively. So, um, yeah, that is definitely going on on my street currently 
<laughs> and uh, apologies in advance for all of the sirens that are going to happen. But uh, somebody needs them, so we'll keep going. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, while while you were bringing up the topic of fire trucks, I looked up the definition of codependency, and I think I should retract what I said because I did not realize what it meant. Um, so the word codependency is a concept that attempts to characterize imbalanced relationships where one person enables another person's self-destructive tendencies and or undermines the other person's <laughs> relationship. So let's just be clear. That's mm. not the word that I meant. Yeah, that's no. not at all mm -hmm. what I thought it meant. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. I guess I meant sort of uh, leading on on each other, which I thought was <laughs> basically what codependent meant. Leaning on each other sounds a lot nicer. Yeah. You came basically. in so naive about it. You came in <laughs> yeah. you're just like, yeah, codependency. It sounds nice. You need each other. Oh, and like yeah. happiness, yeah. marriage. Nope. Self-destructive. Yeah. Refer to definitions, Christopher. So yeah, um, basically what I, <laughs> the, the concept I'm trying to get at here is going in with a positive attitude. You know, I think it's very easy to go in with that negative attitude so that when you're having a conflict, as you rightly said, they will happen. That's okay for them to happen. When they do happen, the thought in the back of your mind is like, well, it's okay. I need this person. She needs me. We need each other. And that's okay. We love each other and we need each other. And I, you know, you have that trust in them and they have that trust in you that gets you through those conflict times rather than drifting apart in those conflict times, if that makes sense. So go in with a positive attitude. So Let's go on to number two. And this one is a don't. Um, so this is sort of the counterbalance to do go in with a positive attitude, which is don't be afraid to have conflict. So the way that I saw it, you know, when we were traveling together, like we literally traveled around the world, you know, like first we went to Europe. We'll, we'll get to the, the path we took over the course of this four months later. Um, but we essentially went from Europe across all of Europe into the Middle East and then onwards to Asia and then from Asia down to Oceania, Oceania down to the Pacific coast of America and then back to Canada. So literally around the world. And as you do that, there is absolutely no way you're going to avoid conflict. Do you know how many friggin' train tables you have to look at over the course of that time? I mean, you're going to have conflicts. You're going to run late for stuff for things, it's okay. Um, and so from my perspective, like you're learning how to have that conflict and resolve it. You know, like you, in these moments when you two are traveling together, what you are building and growing in your relationship is that ability to have conflicts and resolve them. So like, don't be afraid to like disagree about something and engage in a productive conversation about fixing that problem. You know, it's, it's okay to have conflict and don't be afraid like you're never going to have it. You know, just, just look at the conflict as what it is, which is a simple disagreement about one thing separate from your relationship and learn how to resolve it and take that growth away from your honeymoon so that when you finish, when you finish traveling together, instead of things that have driven you apart, they're things that you've solved together. So the way that we look at our travels is look at all of these problems that we managed to get through together, you know, and it built us instead of taking us apart. So yeah, the big thing for me is don't be afraid to have conflict um, and, uh, and just learn to resolve it together. What and I think what, one? and I think it comes down to the concept of that conflict isn't negative. Like, I think like you mentioned, like it's something you solve together, but like a, a disagreement or like whatever it is, stressful situation can happen in isolation. Right. And then you, 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 you discuss it, you what argue, whatever it is, you solve it and you move on. Right. Yeah. And so then yeah. and it and you can have those in isolation and it not be 
the be all and end all of your trip or, you know, like one fight does not define your relationship. And like, so you don't necessarily like have to go and be in like a super bad mood for the rest of the day or something like that, because you had a disagreement or something about that. Like conflict is like you said, is the recipe for resolution. Like, so you need to see it that way, deal with it in isolation um, and move on because if you let that thing to be like, oh, well, now I'm mad at this person for the rest of the day, like you've just ruined a day of your trip. Um, yeah. And, and that's it. And I don't think that necessarily just qualifies for like travel only like that. I feel like that's a fairly broad uh, reaching concept, which is just like if you have a fight about something like I don't know, or a disagreement about something, you know, and it happens at 9 a.m., like that's not going to ruin the rest of your day. Right. It doesn't make the yeah. other person like a super shitty person or something like that. It's just the fact that you have a disagreement about something and can actually, you know, lean into it, deal with it and move on. Yeah. And I think that's very well said. And that's that's actually a super important thing is that especially when you're traveling together, like every hour is so, so key, like so valuable. You don't want to lose half a day of your vacation, you know, like if you're traveling through a place like, I don't know, you know, say Florence, you're traveling through Florence, you have one day to go through Florence. You don't want to waste that day tarnishing it with bad memories of being angry at the person all day. Yeah. You never want the day in Florence to be like, that was the day that Chris and I were super mad at (laughs) each other. Exactly. So basically you just want to like resolve those things. You have this extra incentive to resolve things when you're traveling together because you want to like move on and get past it. So you can't be afraid to have those moments of conflict and also have the confidence that you're going to resolve them because you should have that confidence because you are growing. It makes me think of one of the biggest potential disasters that we face during our travels. So um, we were in um, Japan around Christmas time and, and over New Year's. And um, over the course of our travels uh, through Japan from north to south and back again, <clears throat> we were scheduled to fly out of Japan um, on January 2nd. So we first on uh, New Year's Eve went to Tokyo. We went to Shibuya, you know, one of the one of the most awesome places to go in all of Tokyo, but especially on New Year's Eve. I mean, imagine how packed it is. It is so full that literally like you can you, you shuffle everywhere and you just see people from all over uh, the world. It's such an amazing uh, metropolitan place. You know, we had a great time. So we went down there for New Year's Eve, took the subway back. Um, had a bit of a disaster uh, getting back to our Airbnb. So what happens is that in, in Tokyo, just like every other city, at a certain time at night, the trains stop running. But of course, different routes stop running and different variations of each individual route stop running. So you'll get on a train that thing takes that you think takes you home and only stops halfway and leaves you in the middle of nowhere. And then you have to like find another place to get you one step further and one step further. So we took like five different trains, got home at 5 a.m., you know, traveling across Japan with, uh, it's such a, it, yeah, I know, I know. It's a train loving culture. You know, there's people up at night just taking photos of the trains running that late because it's such an, a unique thing that they do on New Year's Eve. So fascinating stuff. Um, we're exhausted, but like happy, positive, exhausted. You know, we just figure um, tomorrow will be January 1st. We'll chill, we'll relax, we'll like sleep a lot, catch our bearings, and then take our flight to New Zealand the next day. Um, so we get home like maybe 5.30 a.m. and, uh, you know, just scrolling our phones before before bed as one does. And, of course, come across in the email um, pre, 
pre-booking or not uh, what's it called christian uh, pre-reserving your seat checking in i guess yeah check, like pre-boarding your flight yeah, yeah pre-boarding thank you pre-boarding checking in for your flight uh where you get your seats and we're like that's weird isn't it only supposed to come like within 24 hours of your flight huh that's weird we should look this up and uh of course we didn't quite do the time zone conversions properly and realized that our flight left in about five hours so we had to pack on essentially zero hours of sleep, uh, get to the airport, and then fly to New Zealand within a matter of a couple of hours. Oh, geez. Yeah, it was maybe, it was probably the single biggest travel disaster that we faced in that entire time. Um, but instead of taking that moment and it driving us apart, what it did was like, it, it now becomes this uniting memory that my wife and I always hold dear and that we always talk about together. Like, oh, don't you remember that crazy night, you know? Um, just to add insult to injury, <laughs> we, for anybody else listening who wants to travel to New Zealand, of all of the places we went, European Union, Japan, anywhere, UK, um, you need a travel visa for New Zealand. You do not need a travel visa for any of these other places, but you need a travel visa for, for New Zealand and you have to apply for that ahead of time. So um, we found that out, again, about four hours now before our flight. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we sort of frantically, you know, do this online application process. Uh, mine's pending. Mine's pending. Mine's pending. We show up at the airport. Mine's pending. We check in. Mine's pending. And we bring, we, like, we bring it to their attention. She's like, okay, let me make a phone call. Um, and we, she has, a, has them on speakerphone. And she's calling the New Zealand embassy in Tokyo to see if I'm allowed to fly. And like, we have had zero sleep at this point. And just like our hearts are pounding, you know, we, we're so stressed, but in no way is any of that stress directed at each other, you know, right. because like we're, we're, this is, a this is something that we both find ourselves in and you like win and you lose together, um, which will bring me into one of my points in a moment. Um, but but because, you know, we had done that planning ahead together and we made that mistake together, you know, it was something that we felt united us. And so in that moment, the, um, the check-in agent, uh, you know, hung up the phone um, after a long conversation in Japanese that we could not understand. And she said, OK, you know, you're booked in. And we just were so relieved. And in that moment, all we thought was we are going to sleep the fuck out of this plane ride to New Zealand. <laughs> So that, uh, that was a great moment, which brings me to my next do, which is plan ahead. So um, don't make the mistake that we did. Um, but I would say, honestly, for everything else, you know, we were really well planned. Um, and that is that you should together review every single accommodation together, every flight together, because you win and you lose together. So you do not want to be in a situation where you arrive to an Airbnb and it's like not what you thought it was. And one person reviewed it and the other person did it. And the other person gets upset with the first person. If you do all of that booking together and you plan it together, then and like what you feel is that you're winning and losing together. And it's something that like brings you closer together rather than pulls you apart in moments, uh, in moments of those conflicts. Um, and I would say it also saves a ton of money. You know, like if you plan your journey, whatever your journey is ahead of time, um, it makes such a difference. And in particular to traveling 
with your partner, not, you know, it's important to plan ahead for every travel all the time, but especially when planning for with your partner, it takes away so much opportunity for conflict in the moment when you're traveling. Because any conflict that you have about budget and prices and everything is all done ahead of time, well before you're actually on your vacation and enjoying it. So you can have some conflict when you're planning and do that ahead of time so that you save the, the time of the vacation for actually enjoying it. Um, you know, I know you, Christian, you mentioned that your wife does a lot of the planning. Do you feel that, uh, when you plan ahead together, that it makes a big difference, uh, positively? So, yeah, I was going to actually ask you a similar question, but I'll answer it first. Um, in that, yeah, my wife definitely does all of the booking aspects of it, meaning that she is just the one that inputs the information. I don't think she trusts me to do it, which is fair. Um, but yeah, we typically go ahead and kind of plan it in advance so that it's already kind of set out for us, which is nice, like you mentioned. Um, and then it also allows you to kind of, uh, not even necessarily from a stress perspective, but um, it also kind of just allows the logistics of everything to flow a little bit better. So like you said, then it's more just straight enjoyment throughout because it's like, yep, this is what we're doing. But then at the same time, it's kind of that balance between like loose planning but still remaining because it's not like an itinerary you know like um right. uh like for example i know in a, a previous episode i we talked about how uh my family went to to disney world and so like we had to plan which days we were going to which park um but that was about as much as we planned um because after that well especially with a kid because let's be real you know um you know, you make plans and the best way to ruin them is to have a kid with you because then they just, you know, they do their own thing. Um, but it's, it was one of those where that was about it. So we were structured to a point which took some of the stress out of it, but also that kind of just like flexibility in order to be able to kind of roll with it a little bit, but the major logistics. Yeah. When you take care of them up front, it's, it's, it's much, much easier. Now question for you then is, do you feel like you or your wife are the more, like plan, like written down, you know, to the T type of person? Like, is that your wife or is that you? Mm, <clears throat> that's a very, very good question. Um, honestly, for the purposes of this vacation, I would say to an extent, I, I, I will expand on this point in a moment, but I'd say the planning part was both of us. Um, I mean, this was such an intensive journey of like, well, which of all the places, you know, we, we were basically, we started with four months of blank canvas and we were like, how do we want to spend it? Where do we want to go? What is right. most cost effective? Like, how can we do this? And so, you know, that brainstorming together was so awesome and was so fun. Together. Yeah. That's had to have been a fun experience um, in the first place. Just like you yeah. said, with the, like literally a map of the world and a blank canvas and saying like, all right, where do you want to go? Yeah. And honestly, you know, like that, I'll come to this point in a second, but like you do have to remember when you're traveling with, with your significant other, like this is, you know, if you told your eight year old self that you were going on this vacation, like you're, you would go nuts, you know, so just enjoy it for what it is and have fun. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the planning thing, um, I'd say we're mutually like on the same page for planning ahead where we differ significantly is the amount of stuff we'd want to do in a day. Mm. Um, so I would be way more like, I would not see it as a wasted day to spend the whole day in my hotel. Um, whereas, uh, I think my wife would prefer to do, so that would be me doing way too little. And then my wife would probably be happy doing way too much, you know, on the other end of it. And so I would say that, we did find a very good balance where that that was what um, 
you know, drove a lot of the happiness was our goal every day. We kind of like knew it explicitly was do enough stuff that, that my wife would be like, wow, look at all this cool stuff that we did and checked off the list today. And that I would be like, okay, this was a nice relaxing day where we had a good balance of stuff. Um, so that honestly, like first you said it, you took the words out of my mouth, but now I'm already saying it. That brings me to my next don't, which is don't cram too much into a day and have a balance in planning. So what I did was exactly what you're describing with Disney World is that my wife and I would structure our visit, you know, like whatever we were doing that day about one major thing you know? So like in Edinburgh, like we're going to Edinburgh Castle today. That's the one thing. And then every other thing would be like on the way, oh, look at this cool restaurant. Look at this cool shop. Like take the time to allow yourself that ability to explore. I think if you're so crammed into an itinerary that you've planned ahead of time, you don't allow yourself any of that spontaneity and you you lose a lot of the joy of adventuring because traveling should be adventure and it should be a little bit of following the less beaten path. When you see an, un, you know, a non-taken path in front of you that you that you want to go. So have some freedom for that. But also, if you don't plan ahead, remember that was my do from the last point, then you're going to open up opportunities for conflict. Like, oh, well, what are we going to do today? I don't know what we're going to do today. Like something that we haven't figured out ahead of time. You know, you want that all kind of settled. So I would say exactly what you did, Christian, which is, you know, trust in your partner, you know, if they're more of an organized person to let them say, yes, we're going to have one major thing today and let them pick and have that structure, but then leave yourself also the freedom to adventure and have that balance, I think. And that's where my wife and I, I think, have the most possibility for conflict um, is that I, I am much like you, that I could spend the entire day relaxing, you know, perusing, strolling, whereas my wife is like, you know, not that it's like, oh, we have 43 minutes at this venue and then we have to go like not that extreme per se, but she is much more the kind of go, go, go type of person. Whereas, like you said, I am much more likely to be find the benefit in spending a day relaxing um, than getting more stuff done, I suppose, if that makes sense. Um, I'm also that way at home, actually. Uh, maybe that's why she yells at me so much. No, I kid. I kid. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think there's there's pros and cons to both, meaning there are going to be jam-packed days, and that's just the way that vacations are, you know, and then they are going to be a relaxing days as well. And I think making sure that you do both of them is extremely important. But I think that um, the, um, the, the benefit to having the balance of both of us, meaning you and your wife, me and my wife, and having that type of scenario is that then it allows both of you to achieve something per se, but then also maybe save each other from each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think if my wife and I vacationed Absolutely. just the way my wife wanted to, we'd be exhausted by day three. Absolutely. But I think that if we vacationed the way that I wanted to, we'd spend a lot of money doing not a whole lot. So, uh, so I think there, right? So I think there's a way to, and I think I'm kind of making a, I'm explaining relationships in a microcosm, I think, which is just the balance of each other saves you from mm. yourself sometimes. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, but for me, yeah, I would be the relaxing one all the time. Whereas my Absolutely. wife like always has like a hundred things that she wants to do. 
And and you, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, traveling with your significant other is a microcosm of your relationship. You know, it is like your relationship condensed into individual days. It's a vacuum. It is literally exactly. a relationship vacuum. And if you can get through that vacuum, and if you take the lessons that you learn through that vacuum and have a positive attitude, those those little microcosms extend to the rest of your relationship. You know, you know, like trust in each other, enjoy the journey, adventure together. Um, yeah. Well, I think we have a few more do's and don'ts, Christian, but I think uh, we will take this opportunity to take a quick break and uh, listen to a message from our sponsors. And we'll be right back on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Oh. Hi, I'm sound designer and composer Michael Spicer, and I want to help you with the audio in your podcast. Take your audience wherever you want with locations like this relaxing meadow. That's nice. Except for that fox over there. Or maybe a bustling city is more your speed. Fox for sale. One fox for sale. Or maybe somewhere a fox wouldn't be, like next to an active volcano. Okay, if you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! <laughs> Welcome back to this episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian. That's Chris. Um, hit us up on the show at dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com, dadjokeloadingpodcast on Instagram, and at loadingdad on Twitter. We'd love to hear all of your travel do's and don'ts, places you've been, uh, crazy airplane travel visa stories you've had, maybe conflicts with your significant other or friends or whatever that it led to a crazy travel uh, mishap, perhaps. Um, but that being said, um, uh, because we're doing kind of a travel related episode, um, our recurring segment this week is going to be travel related. And this segment is countdown. And so Chris, since we're talking about traveling with significant others, I thought it was just kind of, um, would be a neat place to just quickly, um, actually do a little top five of top five places that you'd love to travel with your significant other places you have mm. not been already. So this is, that's yeah. the, that's the caveat places you haven't been already. And then also the caveat is it has to be realistic. So, um, so we're not going to say, you know, Jeff Bezos going to space, you know, we're not going to say the like, you know, uh, six month vacation in Bora Bora on your own private Island. Like these are realistic vacations we're talking <laughs> about here. So, um, so uh, I'll go first. Hey, let's scratch. Oh, do you need time to redo like yours? One through three for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alrighty. Yeah. Mercury, I had space as one, four, and three. Venus, uh, one, four. Yeah. Okay. So that's the moon. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Well, okay, I'll go. I'll I'm do mine. Now. I'll do mine and filibuster for you to figure out your uh, your your list here. So. Um, so I have my top five list here. I'm going to make a quick honorable mention um, because it's not technically a place that I would want to go, meaning like a, a country or something like that. But my wife and I have always talked about going to Wimbledon. So mm, uh, Wimbledon, the Grand one. Slam tennis tournament in London. Um, and so obviously traveling to London's not um, is clearly very realistic, um, but maybe not affording being able to afford the entire two weeks of just like watching Wimbledon every day while staying in London for two weeks. But anyway, honorable mention, Wimbledon. Alrighty, number five is Tokyo. Mm. Now, um, I actually, uh, a colleague of mine went to Tokyo, absolutely loved it. 
Um, she planned on going back for the Olympics, but then, of course, we all know what happened there. Um, and so that trip ended up getting canceled. And then my really good friend and podcast partner went to Tokyo and raved about how much he lo- and his wife loved it. So that's, that's me. That- that's me. Oh, that's no, what I- you're talking about. No, I, I do another podcast. Oh. Um, yeah, his oh, name's Chris is, too. But um, this is uncomfortable. Anyway, um, so they, uh, so yeah, uh, my wife and I have talked about going to Tokyo because we thought that would be that would be kind of neat. So that's number five. Number four, um, which is going to sound kind of lame, but I'll explain it in a minute. Um, but number four is <laughs> South Dakota, <laughs> is uh, Newfoundland. Oh, no, I like that. That's a great one. And yeah. the reason why I want to go there so bad is my mother's side of the family is from Bay Roberts, Newfoundland. They are the Roberts mm. clan, and uh, I've never been there. Um, and so I would like to go and see that uh, side of the country. I've been out east, uh, but I just quite haven't made it that far east uh, in uh, our home and native land. So, uh, badass. Do yeah, you so know... I- I feel like uh, this is something that I think maybe some listeners will know. Probably zero American listeners would know. A handful of Canadians would know. Newfoundland was its own independent country for a period of time. Like yes. I, I'm not. I'm going to get some of these dates wrong, but I think it was like 20 or 30 years uh, up until 1949. Um, they were their independent country. So they were the Dominion of Newfoundland, and we were the Dominion of Canada. Great name. So uh, yeah, fun fact of the day. Anyway, beautiful place. My mom always states that she is the age of Newfoundland um, because they uh, <laughs> they awesome. they assimilated into Canada uh, the year she was born. So um, uh, number three for me is again not a country, but it's Hawaii. Um, mm, and one. I mean for all of the reasons why one would want to go to Hawaii, um, but with the added notion that they actually have a Disney resort there called Alani. Do they actually? Wow, they do. Is it new? I didn't know that. Um, it's not that new. Um, but, um, through our, uh, my wife and I belong to the Disney vacation club. So we have like the point system and all this type of stuff and we can use our points there. So it's kind of the like, Ooh, we really want to go. We love Disney. It's an excuse to go to Hawaii. Um, our friends actually lived there for a period of time. Um, and so we would want to go back. Um, so yeah, um, my wife's been to Hawaii, but I've never been. And oh, so yeah, I would want to go to Hawaii. Lord. So that's beautiful. My God. One of my resident mates works at a specialty hospital in Honolulu. And I just thought, hmm, that's living the life, isn't it? Beautiful. I can only imagine. Um, I've heard everything's very expensive there, though. Like just mm, like because they have to bring good. everything in like milk. Yeah. It's just like Checks super out. expensive. Um, yeah. Which makes sense. Um, so n- number two uh, for me is Iceland. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, and uh, a friend of ours and friend of the show um, has been there with his now fiance, um, and uh, so I saw the pictures of it. Just beautiful country, um, you know everything that you read about it, see about it looks absolutely fantastic. It also seems like we were talking about earlier. It also, it seems like the most beautiful place to do nothing. Like you could just mm, yeah, explore, yeah, yeah. like you don't need an itinerary. You could just explore, drive around, you know, you could be in a hot spring, you know, one hour and at the top of an iceberg, another, like, it just seems like it, like Iceland is the trip. Like you don't need to worry yeah. about an itinerary because it just is the trip. Um, yeah. So in that standpoint, I could, I cannot imagine much more, uh, a beautiful place on this earth. Um, and then my number one uh, place I would want to travel is Scotland. And now this has a little bit of an emotional connection. Uh, my last name, uh, my family heritage on my dad's side is Scottish. Uh, my dad has never been to Scotland. Um, his 
um, father was born there um, and then moved to Canada. And so it's always been a dream of ours to get all of the uh, McFarlane uh, men uh, specifically um, back to uh, where our ancestors came from. So that is certainly something that we we actually had it planned and ready to go, but that was April of 2020 and we all know what happened there. Um, and so that trip had to get canceled. So that's something that's definitely on the bucket list. Um, again, beautiful country, beautiful history. Um, I know you mentioned Edinburgh Castle, um, you know, just things like that. Um, but yeah, to be able to see kind of where our family came from on top of an absolutely gorgeous uh, plot of land over there in the UK, uh, number one for me is Scotland. So very well said, Christian. I um, not only were those all great choices, but one thing that I really liked that you alluded to a couple of times there in Scotland and Newfoundland was the importance of family heritage, you know, and seeing where some of your ancestors have come from, maybe where some of your family still lives to this day. Um, and so for me, I've had that opportunity before to see um, my, my entire mom's side of uh, the family is all Dutch and most of them still live in the Netherlands. So we've had an opportunity to go back a few times, but I have never had an opportunity to see where my wife's family is from. Um, so I had an honorable mention as well, and that is Poland. Um, I Poland is never a place that I think before meeting my wife that that had been high on my bucket list. I mean, I certainly respect the country and the culture, but it wasn't high on my list to travel. But when you add that extra layer of learning about heritage, you know, this is the village where my grandfather grew up. This was where they fought the battle, you know, um, uh, you know, th those, those parts of history, um, really, really become really important, I think, and really connect you to a place. Um, so my first honorable mention is Poland. Um, number five also has a bit of family connection. Um, so this is the city that my mom was born in, um, which is Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And one of my resident mates was also from Kuala Lumpur and I had always wanted to go to Singapore. Um, so I'm kind of cheating with number five is that I would like to take a trip specifically, um, to Southeast Asia, but not Thailand, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, but rather I would love to go to Singapore and Kuala Lumpur. Um, incredible multicultural cities with what I've heard are some of the most amazing food in the world. Um, just a, such a unique atmosphere. Uh, see the hospital that my mom was born in. Um, that would be really, really cool. Uh, number four is a place that a lot of Canadians have been to, uh, but that I have never been to. And that is Havana, Cuba. Mm. Um, I've been to some places in the Caribbean before, but I've never, ever been to Cuba and I've never been to Havana. Um, and I've always wanted to see the incredible culture and history, the old cars, the art, the music, uh, not just of that country, but of that incredible, uh, massive city, um, Havana. Have you ever been to Cuba, Christian? I have not. No, I have been to um, a bunch of the Caribbean in various cruises. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, no, it never actually uh, never actually made landfall in Havana. No. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe someday, especially for you and your wife, since of the, you know, kind of thawing of relations between the U.S. and Cuba compared to when we were growing up, when you couldn't even get, you know, Cuban cigars in any form in uh, in the United States, but they were always available here. Uh, number three is a place that um, I think kind of like Iceland is growing and growing in terms of um, you know, trendiness and people valuing the natural beauty of this country. Like, you know, what I would call Instagram countries, countries that are just so drop dead gorgeous that they translate really well in photos. Um, and that is Croatia. 
Um, mm. So, you know, Croatia, when we were growing up, um, you know, we lived through the Yugoslavian civil war and all of that. And, you know, you never really thought of Croatia as a place where you would vacation. But obviously those countries have become quite a bit more stable now. They're at, you know, much more at peace and livable and travelable. And Croatia in the, in the Mediterranean coast, I guess the Adriatic coast is just stunning. You know, that crystal clear blue water. Um, I've heard it's quite affordable, you know, a similar... Um, sort of a melting pot of cultures between uh, Italian and Swiss and Slovenian, um, uh, Serbian, Bosnian, Croatian, of course, it's all all uh, a melting pot. And that would be fascinating, I think. So Croatia, number three. Number two is a tough one. Um, you know, I, I don't want to dive into the the political aspect of this, and obviously it's been a challenging one with Canada, but that is China. Um, so I would love to visit Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. I'd, I'd really love to engage in the country. I've always wanted to go. It's a place that my dad traveled to a lot, along with Japan and South Korea when I was young, and he told such amazing stories about the country. And just to see the difference then compared to now, I think would be so incredible. Um, I had a friend um, who, who you would have met at our wedding who uh, lived there for a year, well before the major political tensions around Huawei uh, began with Canada, and he loved it. Um, and so I would love to go to China. Uh, but number one on my list. So I love trains, man. I love trains. I love being on trains. I love long train rides. Um, and I would love to go coast to coast in Australia. Um, there is a train called the Gan, Gan, Gan. Uh, that goes from, uh, I believe it's Sydney, all the way across uh, the country through the outback to Perth. Um, and just to see this, that expansive, beautiful country, all the wildlife right from the window of a train um, would be amazing. Um, and of course, you save that long ass drive through basically tundra, um, which, which we did on our honeymoon, driving through uh, Otago in the pitch black um, in the middle of the night. So that would be amazing. So number one on my list is Australia. And that has been my countdown. Um, so uh, I would love to go to Poland, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, Havana, Croatia, China, and Australia. Maybe someday, Christian. What do you think? Hey, we can only dream, right? Yeah. Well, I think that brings us into, uh, I'm going to go back to the topic we were talking about before, which is the do's and don'ts of traveling with your partner. We've just got a few more here that we're going to polish off uh, to try to make you prepared for your honeymoon the next time you travel with your partner and uh, hopefully something that you can do a lifetime of, which is brings us to my next do, which is try to live in the moment, um, which sounds just like a catchphrase, right? What does that even mean? But basically what I'm trying to say is enjoy the vacation as a vacation. Like if you were taking this vacation by yourself, if you were taking it with a friend, how would you enjoy this vacation and what would you do with them? Do those things with your partner. Make them your best friend. Like Christian, you and I have traveled a bunch together, right? You and we I have. have spent many, many hours in the car together. We've we've actually gone through quite a lot of these, you know, nuts travel stories together and they're fun right? And we look forward to them. So what is the difference between you and me traveling together that makes it fun and you and our wives traveling together that would make it less fun? And I think a lot of that is that, you know, we go into it thinking it needs to be a different type of vacation. But like, you know, go to bars, get drunk together, uh, sightsee, get massages, like treat yourself together, be a grown up kid together. Like just enjoy the moment and take each day as as close to nirvana as you can get. Just make every day fun, you know? I think there's a level of expectation that comes with, or proposed expectation, I guess, that comes with traveling with a significant other. Like you said, that there's, it almost like 
you seem like it has to be more than it actually is mm, because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. traveling with your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, wife, husband, whatever it is. Um, th- that it, it seems to need to be like on this pedestal of yeah, expectation yeah. as opposed to just a fucking good time. Like, like yes. I said, like, yes. why can't it be relaxing? Like it needs to be, you know, um, some majorly planned, specific, you know, well thought out, whatever. I mean, those things can also be fun, um, you know, but it doesn't necessarily like every evening doesn't have to be this like bold, romantic evening, like yeah. or, you know, whatever, like it doesn't have to be that, you know, it, like you said, it can literally just be like you and I in the car in Pennsylvania at 2.30 a.m. with a hilarious story meeting <laughs> yeah. a state trooper or, you know, like you said, exactly. on the like, you know, terrible motel uh, was that a, a, the motel floor? <laughs> yeah, that was, was that Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Too, that was, that was also Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. sorry, sorry, Pennsylvania. Um, but, um, <laughs> but like, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be, yeah. um, you know, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. But that can also like lessen the burden of expectation because I feel like, and Chris, you can uh, feel free to disagree with me on this if if you want. But I feel like sometimes I come back from vacation almost more exhausted. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there was just this level of just like, oh, we had to do, we had to do. And so then you need like a vacation from your vacation. Now that's the Absolutely. key. That, that is me now, but that's just because of my kid. Um, you know, like <laughs> right. when, you know. It's true though. No, but, honest to God, man, it is true. Like, and you don't want that, right? You want to come back feeling like you recharged rather than exhausted more supply. And so <clears throat> I, I absolutely think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, why are all inclusive vacations so successful and why do people love them so much? Because not every day it has all this pressure on it. Some days you go to the, the bar, you drink way too many Mai Tais, you eat nine pounds of sushi and you pass out in your room at four before going to the beach and getting your sweat on, you know? And like, believe it or not, that's also what your partner wants to do sometimes, you know? So like have that fun together, like be spontaneous together. Like I said, you know, be a little bit bad together, like just have fun and don't always like put this super luxurious expectation on it. Some of the most enjoyable moments that my wife and I spent were in grocery stores, trying to figure out translations of like what the hell vegetable this is and stuff like that. (laughs) Like those are some of the most awesome experiences and they cost us like no money, you know, and it was just because you try to live in the moment. Um, yeah. Sorry. One of, one of the, um, one of the things that my wife and I still to this day talk about, about our honeymoon. So we did a kind of two stage honeymoon. It was over about two and a half weeks. And, but the first week was spent basically in Cancun at a resort. And, but like the best thing we did was nothing. Like we literally, (laughs) like we, um, now we are, even though we are not in that age demographic chronologically, we are in the old people age demographic socially for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were not partying in the club, uh, you know, until the wee hours of the morning, but that also meant that we could get the best cabana by the swim up bar every morning without even having to try because, Uh, because we were up. I say early. I'm talking early in vacation. Yeah, right? relatively. Yeah, relatively early. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So we could stroll down to the pool at nine o'clock uh, after being fully rested and um, and have the pick of the uh, pick of the litter there. And and we would just and we would lie there for what seemed like hours. Like the, the the most stressful thing we did was go to a different pool or I go to yeah. the or go to the lazy. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that was one of the like the best things that we did because it was just so 
relaxing. And we, we, we did that on purpose, right? Because that's exactly what we needed to do after a, um, you know, a lot of planning and everything goes into the wedding and the logistics and all that type of stuff. It was nice to basically just take three weeks and do nothing, yeah. uh, you know, which was, which was huge. Um, and so like, I think that more vacations need to be like that or, and, and not even necessarily just honeymoons or, you know, week vacations, like those could be days, like just a single day that you take with your yeah, partner totally. to just go do whatever, um, you know, and just be relaxing. That's something that my wife and I still talk about now that we, we always talk about it, that we never do it now. And then we just never do it. And then we talk about it like three months later that we still never do it. But like, we don't, yeah. like we, we just, you just need to take days to just do, go somewhere and do nothing and, and, and be relaxed. Like you said, like you're just going to hang out with a friend. Like, why is there this kind of extra pedestal level of significant other travel expectation? Yeah. Well, well said, Christian, and you've perfectly segued into my next don't. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that, which is don't bring your work or home life with you. Now, this is easier said than done. But what I mean by this point is, so as we've talked about on the show before, um, my wife and I are going to Disney World with our daughter for the first time in October. Super exciting. Obviously, goes without saying. Um, by the way, Dole Whips and Double Doubles, fantastic podcast by producer Ryan. Check it out. All about Disney World um, and all of the wonders it has to offer. But that's a different type of vacation, traveling with your kid, right? Like you just did that. It's a different type of thing. That's okay. It, it is what it is. It's an awesome thing on its own. It, it's a great thing to take your kids places. But what we're talking about today is traveling with your significant other. So when you do that, just travel with your significant other. I think, you know, one of the things when you think about traveling with your significant other, like when I first proposed this topic and we were talking about it, like we both kind of looked at each other, right? And we were like, like that sounds terrifying. And one of the reasons it sounds terrifying is that you can't imagine being in the same room with someone for four months. You think, well, when I'm at home, like I need my space, right? Like I, I think every, every husband, every wife, every person needs a little bit of space away from your significant other. Yeah, it's only to natural. keep yourself sane, right? So why on a trip do you not necessarily need that? Or how can you get away with not needing that? And I think a big part of it is the reason we need that space at home is because of the real day-to-day -day stresses of life, right? Like work is stressful. So we've talked about it before. Sometimes you just want to take a break at the end of the day, put on your headphones, pour a scotch, and put together some Star Wars Lego. Like you need Or listen space, to the right? Dor Dole Whips and Double Doubles podcast <laughs> put together by producer Ryan. Man, that was beautiful. It was seamless. Like it just floated in there. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, exactly. So you need that break. And when you travel try not to bring those stresses with you, you know? So I, I know it's going to sound silly, but I guess I am advocating for like leaving your kids with grand, grandma and grandpa or finding a babysitter. Like my wife and I have already taken a week a weekend away in August without our daughter. And it was one of the most rewarding things that we've done in the last, you know. Can I in interject really quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel guilty at all? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a really, really good question. Yes and no. I would say the the thing that we experienced that we didn't 
uh, expect was that we missed her. So like, you know, that first day we were like, oh, I miss her cute little face and everything, you know, and like, oh, we're, you know, we're bad parents by not being there with her. But man, no, you <laughs> like when you first wake up in the morning and realize you don't have shit to do that day, like you can just hang out in bed together and then like lays into your day and go drink a bunch of wine. Yeah. Like it's pre- pretty quickly. It comes. It goes away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. So the first day you're like, oh no, then maybe we shouldn't. And then, yeah. And then it just melts. So if you have the ability to um, enroll some family members, you know, the importance of the extended family so that you and your wife can really be you and your wife for a change. It is so quick and so easy to be just mom and dad. Like it happens in a flash before you know it. Like that's, that's how you're interacting with each other in the day. And you totally forget what it's like to be boyfriend and girlfriend and traveling together one-on-one makes you feel that way. You know, my, my parents remarried, of course, I think we've talked about this on the show before. So they, um, my mom and stepdad married when I was seven and I went to stay with Oma and Opa for two weeks and I had a great time and they had a great time, but do that outside of your honeymoon too. Like it's important to travel just with your significant other and don't bring your work with you. And then if you don't have those stresses of kiddom and workdom and everything, and you're just girlfriend and boyfriend again, you can hang out in the same room together all day without getting upset with each other. It makes it so much better to take those stresses away. I think a big thing as to why that is so hard nowadays too, is just um, the things we never put down um, Mm. like our phones. Mm. Um, And I sit here guilty as charged that you could still stay so connected so i think a big part of that too is disconnecting um and being just like you said present there with your significant other because it's very easy to uh i mean heck i got work emails when i was on vacation like when i was in disney world i got work emails and i had to like force myself to be like nah i'm not answering that yeah um but i still but i still read it and thought about it like instinctively (laughs) do you know what i mean and so like same thing with my wife she was like oh you know, this blood work came back for this dog. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think that another doctor will take care of it and you can deal with it Mm. when you get back. Um, uh, I didn't say that. I'm not crazy. I helped her, obviously, because otherwise she would just have not been able to stop thinking (laughs) about it. And I'm the same way sometimes. But I think, you know, there's there's that concept as well, which is just being, like you said, just being present um, within that context which again i sit here guilty as charged of being terrible of so do as i say not as i do i guess um but yeah i think that's another huge component of that as well um outside of like you mentioned the role of just being there as boyfriend and girlfriend um you yeah know, or best friends or whatever it is yeah well said well said um, I like that very much. And that brings, brings me to my last do. Um, so these, all these do's and don'ts, as you've probably imagined, were all kind of, uh, you know, intangibles, like big picture type stuff. And I think in a future episode, we will dive into some like actual tangible things, like always trust Google on public transit. It is effing ridiculous at how good it is. So the last <laughs> intangible, uh, do is bond. What you are doing when you are traveling is becoming more glued together. Like that's what you should be doing is that you take those opportunities and you see them as struggles that you get through. And functionally what it is, is an adventure 
that you are taking together. So one of the kind of like simple little tangible things that fits into all these things that we've talked about before, trying to live in the moment, not trying to cram too much in a day, having a little bit of a plan, but not too much of one, um, you know, having just this positive open-ended attitude is, is walk, go for walks, go for long walks because they allow you this opportunity to soak in so much around you. And when you, what you want to do is fall into bed at the end of the day, exhausted and know that the person beside you is also falling to, into bed exhausted. So that when you fall into bed exhausted together, you share that moment and that like, I don't want to say trauma together, like it's this negative thing, but you experience the work together. Like Christian, you and I have been um, extorted for money, essentially not extorted, but basically like, like conned out of money together as we've talked about on this show. And it brought us together. We have had multiple parking tickets together and it brought us together. And speeding tickets. (laughs) Speeding tickets. Sorry, that's actually what I meant. Don't know why I said parking tickets, but we've got those two. We've got them all. And they've, they've brought us all together, you know? And so do that with your significant other too, like bond. Um, one of the biggest things that happened while we were traveling, something we'll talk about in a future episode, I'm sure, is that unfortunately about a month and a half into this trip, we suddenly woke up one day with a phone call that my dad had passed away unexpectedly in the middle of the night. And we had to trap, we had to fly all the way back to Ottawa and, you know, in the midst of this magical time and then, and then kind of take a, take a break from it basically, um, And you know what that did is it honestly brought us closer together. Like we went through that trauma together. We, those memories that, that we shared together as traumatic as they were, were things that we did together. And so when you travel with your significant other, you should do like everything you're doing is you're making a, a mutually shared memory together. And that is what makes it so awesome. So my final do is bond, um, in, in simple terms. And I think what makes that, seem so simple but it actually does take a little bit of work is that there are certain things for example that you or your significant other either you know need want react to you know it affects you differently you know those types of things and so when you are experiencing those I don't necessarily have an example specifically but um, you know there are things that my wife will react to or need or respond to differently than I will, but not allowing her to do so, but investing in that, you know, like actively investing in that point and in that moment or feeling or whatever it is, like you said, is super important because there are things that you're going to do in any relationship just because it's beneficial to the other person and for no other reason than that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there are like when we were um, in Disney World. Now, this was actually for our honeymoon. So we went to Disney Shocker um, for part of our honeymoon. And without telling me, my wife specifically got us reservations at the ESPN Wild World of Sports. Mm, And only and only because she knew I would want to do so. Um, And so like that, you know, so there are certain things like that. Um, that you have to actively invest in your partner, which sounds more like a business transaction than I mean it to. Um, but, but, but it's, it's true, right? Like, yeah, no, you are like, you are, you have to do that because then that is then the bond that like you're mentioning that only, that only continues to grow, um, over time because of that investment in each other. Um, and you kind of just have to do it 
subconsciously sometimes, but there's yeah. sometimes that you actually have to actively do it and invest in it. And it takes practice. Um, Absolutely. because if you just sit there and you're like, Oh, I don't want to do that because only you like that. Like then that just breeds a whole different level of disdain. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to absolutely mangle this, uh, this fable, but there's, you know, it's like, it's like the old kind of children's story idea of, uh, a tortoise and like a mouse traveling together. A mouse is a terrible example, a tortoise and a cat, let's say, you know, and the, the tortoise and the cat, when they're on dry land, the tortoise needs to be on the cat's back and together they go faster. When they get to water, the cat needs to be on the tortoise's back and they get over the water together. But when you're traveling with your partner, like you're different and the more you support them and get them through stuff, they're going to support you and get you through stuff. And so you're going to like, like grow together, you know, and by supporting you, the other person in that journey, the journey becomes so much easier and so much faster, so much better. Um, so basically just be a cat and a tortoise together. If you take nothing else from this episode, be, be turtles. That's, I mean, I think that's largely the high level takeaway is try to act and feel and be like a turtle, uh, in most ways in your life. And when you're on land, make sure you're on a cat's back. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and on that note, we are going to take a break at the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Uh, don't forget to reach out to us, uh, Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com, at Loading Dad on Twitter, and uh, Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. Boom! Nailed it. Um, so we are going to take a break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Hey, Christian, why did the librarian get kicked off the plane? Uh, I'm not sure. Why? It was overbooked. Ah. So I was torn between that one and this other pretty incredible one, but I just thought uh, it doesn't really fit with the general theme or mood of us, like, you know, bonding and growing closer to our wives. But you know what? It's fucking hilarious. So I'm just going to say it anyway. My wife told me, Sex is better on holiday. That was not a very nice postcard to receive. <laughs> uh, I think that would fall in under the don't. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a don't. Um, that's a relationship. Yeah. Do not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, we're going to close this off with a recurring segment. Um, and this is kind of, I mean, Christian, it's a countdown rapid fire uh, hybrid. Um, so we're going to, since you did a countdown earlier this episode, welcome to rapid fire. So in this rapid fire, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the tangibles of this four month honeymoon that uh, we went on, which is the top 15 cities or locations that we went to. Um, so we went to, I think, somewhere between 25 and, and 35 different cities, depending on how you count them all. Um, so this is my top 15 places, Christian, that maybe to go along or complement the, the five places that we'd like to go someday. These are the 15 that um, we went on and that I love in order from uh, bottom to top. But again, bottom is still somewhere in the middle. Um, but as we go along, we'll get closer and closer to a favorite. All right. And I'm just going to let you go. So you just go 15 through one. I'm not going to interject. Let's just give the people what they want. Beauty. And it's a rapid fire. So I got to be a little bit rapid about it. I won't expand on it uh, too, too much. So number 15, 
Christchurch, New Zealand, um, decimated by a terrible earthquake that they're in the process of rebuilding. And that rebuilding process makes for a super, super interesting downtown area. Lots of cool things, lots of modern art installations that they've put basically on every lot that's been destroyed. Super cool. Number 14, Amsterdam, Netherlands. You know, Amsterdam is cool. It is a it's a titch overrated. I mean, it's super, super touristy. It is definitely not uh, the home of like major Dutch culture, I would say, um, but it is still a really cool city. Definitely worth visiting. Awesome museums, Amsterdam. Number 13, Palm Springs, California. Um, the thing with Palm Springs is like, you know, you think of suburbs and it basically is, but it is easily hands down the nicest weather of any place we went all around the globe. I mean, it is amazing. Um, dry, beautiful heat, um, lots of cool art. Very, very neat. Number 12, Kyoto, Japan. So Kyoto and Osaka are very, very close to each other. Osaka has absolutely incredible culture as well. So they're kind of lumped together. Um, but specifically, we stayed in Kyoto and they have this amazing history, historical capital of Japan, incredible temples, uh, sort of built into the, the sort of mountain range on the side. Absolutely incredible. Number 11, Rome, Italy. I've heard a lot of horror stories about Rome, kind of like Amsterdam, that it can be a bit touristy, but we did not experience that at all. All I experienced was like the most incredible art and architecture anywhere in the world. Like every single street is teeming with thousands of years of history. Like you won't even realize where you are and you'll open a guide and it's like, oh, this thing on your left was built in like 700 BC. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. And if, and if you look cool. to your right, that, that telephone pole was built in year four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's pretty damn neat. Um, uh, yeah, traffic is wild there, though. Uh, number 10, Dublin, Ireland. Um, Dublin's, you know, has sort of two poles. It's modern and it's ancient at the same time. Um, but, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like Irish culture. And Dublin is an anchor for Ireland. So, so much of the culture flows through Dublin. Very cool place. Number nine, Venice, Italy. Again, had heard lots of horror stories. We went right after the floods. Um, and so what that meant was there was nobody there. It was a ghost town. So imagine having all of Venice to yourself, zero lines, zero wait times, any place that you went. It was unbelievable. We just walked into St. Mark's Cathedral, just walked in, no line, went right up to the front. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Um, that is how it should be lived. Uh, number eight is, uh, a place that I love a little bit more than Amsterdam, which is Utrecht in the Netherlands or, or Utrecht in the Netherlands. Um, very, very cool system. So they have canals running down the middle, just like in Amsterdam, but there's a lower canal and an upper canal. So there's like two layers of restaurants and, and sort of, um, culture and, and shops, um, very walkable, very livable, uh, definitely one of the best nights I ever spent was in Utrecht. Uh, number seven, Athens, Greece, um, you know, again, falling into like Rome and Amsterdam, one of those places that you think would be really touristy. And it definitely is, but they do a wonderful job uh, with the monuments of preserving them and not making them feel too crowded and really letting you enjoy them. And then if you step away from the monuments, you know, you get like trees where you can just pluck lemons from them and just walk into a shop with ouzo everywhere and like you know, bakeries on the side street. And I mean, it's just a wonderful, beautiful place with lots of great culture and people. Uh, Athens is pretty sweet. Uh, number six is Lake Como, Italy. I mean, damn, beautiful. That's all you can say. It's like mountains alongside a lake. It's these Alps that descend sharply into a lake. Um, we hiked this kind of like old goat path that went like behind all these tiny little houses that were from like the 1400s. Um, and we just like 
like wandered up and down uh, these areas. And it was just so, so incredible seeing the sunset, seeing it all from above, you know, coming across a church from 1100 and then you eat an olive off the tree beside it, which is terrible, by the way. Do not eat olives off the tree if they are not ripe yet. Don't, um, eat, don't <laughs> eat olives in general. Like they, yeah, like yeah. olives, olives are Satan's feces as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you on green olives there. A hundred percent. I'm with you. Um, so yeah. And you, you know, that olive tree could be hundreds of years old. I mean, just some of it is so, uh, amazing. Lake Como number five. Um, I don't think this is going to appear on anybody's top 15, but I fell in love with it, which is the key peninsula, uh, K I I, uh, in Japan, just South of Kyoto and Osaka. It's where we spent Christmas 2019. So this was the Christmas right after my dad had passed away. Um, it was a very emotional Christmas. We were away from it and we were in this tiny town of like 80,000 people in the wilderness, um, like on the, on the Southern tip, uh, along the ocean. And, you know, as we fell asleep, you could see whales in the distance, you know, we just wandered around this tiny town eating green tea ice cream and, and exploring mm. and all of the wonderful locals and tiny little ramen uh, shops. And, you know, we just had an absolutely amazing time um, being out there. So what the what the key peninsula is, is it's a place where um, a lot of uh, Buddhist pilgrimages take place. And so there's all of these walking paths to temples in the middle of the forest. But if you come at the non pilgrimage time, they're all empty and all for you to explore. Um, so it's a really, really amazing thing. Number four uh, would appear on a lot of people's top 15s, and that is the is Sorrento in Italy or the Amalfi Coast, which is this little peninsula just below Napoli, um, which has these cliff faces. I mean, unbelievable. I think a whole story needs to be dedicated uh, on, in a future episode to driving along the Amalfi Coast and what that is like, both for the terror of like when a bus clearly does not have enough room to come around and he just honks and hopes that you get out of the way. Um, but we'll talk about that <laughs> another time. It is absolutely beautiful. Uh, number three, Christian, it was number one on your places that you'd want to go. And I agree because it's amazing. And that is Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, such a livable city, a walkable city, city history and nature at the same time and modernity all at your fingertips. It's a beautiful place. Um, our cousins live there and uh, for good reason, because it is amazing. Number two is a, a region of the South Island of New Zealand called Otago uh, or Central Otago. Um, so this is that area that is basically, I'd call it the Lord of the Rings part of New Zealand. So when you see like those big Alps and kind of the crystal clear uh, blue waters on the side, it's like everywhere is Lake Louise, but there's like three towns of 10,000 people scattered throughout this whole place. So you just have it all to yourself and there's wineries everywhere and like lazy rivers to swim in. And we went during New Zealand summer, it's like 30 Celsius. Sorry, listeners, it's like 95-ish, I guess, Fahrenheit. Um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I'm probably way off there, but yeah, it was beautiful. Um, okay, well, hold on yeah. there. Like, are you saying 30? Like, it was it comfortable? Yeah, I would say. So. I mean, dry, dry, dry. Let's say 29. Okay, so because 90, I would say 95 is not comfortable. Like, when, yeah, okay. When here, so, like, is... we'll say like 85 then, because like once you get into the 90s, it it gets uncomfortable. Okay, okay. So yeah, you're totally right. I'm wrong here. 29 Celsius is 84 Fahrenheit. And 30 Celsius is 86 Fahrenheit. So I guess I'm saying 86-ish, roughly, okay. is what it was there. A dry 86. 95. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I do not know Imperial. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I honestly, though, I honestly, though, like, I only know it when it comes to taking an animal's temperature. 
Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know what a fever is and is not, but somebody will be like, oof, it's going to be a chilly one today. It's only going to be 42. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, my phone is still in Celsius, and I'm like, oh, man, going to be a chilly one out. Like, it's going to be negative four. They're like, negative four? And I'm like, not, I'm like, wrong country, man. Get with the times. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, wrong country, man. Get with the times. Listeners, just for uh, some added spice, one of the interesting things in veterinary medicine is that when you read a blood report, um, about half of the values on there can be interchangeably expressed in either imperial or metric, depending on what country you're in. So like if you see a glucose of 300 versus a glucose of 30, those mean super different things in, in different countries. And, and if you go to a different clinic and they get their, their machine serviced in America and they're a Canadian clinic, like you have no idea. So you really, really have to pay attention to units. And it's actually really funny because... Uh, one of the internal medicine specialists that we uh, learned from and know quite well, Benoit, um, mm. is um, is from uh, the uh, metric side of things and is currently uh, in Europe. Um, and so I, I we still chat about stuff. Um, I realize we're getting off on a tangent here. But long story short, I one time like sent him a case and like I told him what a blood sugar level was. And he was like, oh, my God. And then <laughs> I was like, compatible with and life. he was just like, that's not possible. And I'm like, Benoit. I'm in America. I'm in America. And he's like, oh yeah. 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 So anyway. Yeah. Where what would be the sweet spot? I think like if you said a glucose of like 80, because in American units, you'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of like, you know, you it's know, middle borderline of the pack. low, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But if you were 80 here, that would be like super effing crazy high, but like maybe on that cusp of like hyperosmolar where it's still physically possible. Um, yeah. So may, yeah, maybe like 60, because you'd be like, oh, is that low or high? Anyway. I still have one more rapid fire <laughs> location to say. <laughs> and that is uh, one of your one of your top five wants. And that is a place that I've mentioned to you many times in the past, Christian, Tokyo, Japan. Oh, my God. Biggest city in the world, biggest metropolitan area in the world. And it is it just feels like 30 different unique neighborhoods, hmm. each one with its own culture and vibe and thing that it specializes in all kind of like mushed together. And you just can take the subway from place to place to place and you spend a whole day in one neighborhood and then go to the next one. And go so it's New York one. City with 30 boroughs is what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And all like eminently walkable or trainable. Um, I mean, but just with this overwhelming safety and cleanliness and, and uh, I mean, it's so not like New York City, city. but with <laughs> yeah, 30 boroughs. Like okay. City. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. The thing I didn't expect about Tokyo is the food. Um, like coming there as a Western traveler, you might think, oh, is it all going to be like, you know, fish based things or things that I'm not used to? Do I have to eat octopus? No. Do you know what they love? It's fried chicken. They love fried chicken in Tokyo. They love, I mean, it's a, it's a metropolitan world country. You can get perfect Parisian French cuisine there. I mean, you can get anything that you want. They are a food culture through and through. And it, it shows, it is amazing. If, if literally, if somebody said, what's the one place in the world, uh, you could go before you die, it should be Tokyo. Everybody should say Tokyo. It is amazing. I can't, I, I, I think I maybe undersold it a little bit there. Um, yeah, Tokyo, <laughs> check it out. Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, it was all right. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. I wouldn't go back. All right. Yeah. So this has been, my friends, another week of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We thank you very much for joining us. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for everything that you do, listening to us week in and week out. Um, of course, we'd like to thank everyone that we always thank. Michael Spicer from Michael Spicer Music, Michelle Murphy, the vet cartoonist, producer Ryan, but most importantly, our wives and daughters. And you know what, Christian? Thank you, my friend. No, thank you. I love you, buddy. I love you too, So buddy. hit us up. 
dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com, at dadjokeloading on Twitter, or dadjokeloadingpodcast on Instagram. We would love to hear from you, and we are going to feature some listener stuff in some future episodes. Well, thank you very much, my friends, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thank you.